You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And oh boy, do we have an album for you today. We sure do. Ah, this is this is a cool one. Came out 21 years ago. Yep. That's pretty cool. It is by Erm or IRM, the Swedish band. I said I saw in an interview that uh Martin Blod said that it's a word, not initials. Doesn't so it's not doesn't stand for anything. Mm-hmm. So and I've heard it pronounced Erm by people before. I always say IRM uh because it's in all that, caps. I mean that yeah, for yeah. sure that's but I'll, we I mean, do I'll always go with, say I'll go with Erm sure. if you want. I'll go with it. <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the word is the letters spelled out. I'm not sure. Hey, and a lot of mystery. A so lot of mystery. It's all right. There's a lot to dive into with this one, and the pronunciation mm-hmm. of the band is, wasn't even on my list of things to talk about. Right, <laughs> right. There's a lot, lot to break down with this with this album. And Which what is album is that? Gray Oedipus dethroned it's on cold meat industry from the year 2000 uh there's 2000 copies of this made on cd in a nice slip case with a lyric booklet with some gross meat photo as a centerfold beautiful just stark red and black presentation which also plays within the lyrical themes of this record and i've listened to this thing so many times and it never disappoints and i think that the, their other work is fantastic. Like the continued work and it is made up of Martin Blod, who also plays in skin area. And uh, he's also uh, runs infinity land press. He also works as a photographer and visual artist. And he is just, you know, done a lot of things. And Eric Jarl, who operates under his own last name, Jarl. And I think a couple of Jarl CDs have made it into my recent listening in the past. And Certainly as well as the mm-hmm. closure Yes, the the final IRM or IRM album, uh, right, which is set up as a power electronics play. I would say, for lack of a better description, uh, even down to the visuals of it, the whole thing looks like a like a stage presentation, and uh, that's something that we see the seeds of sown here on this record, very much so, uh, among other themes. I mean, this is a, I think deeply personal and conceptual album. And so trying to pick that stuff apart, of course, we may be wrong on some points. We may be right on some points uh, as always up to your interpretation. Oh yeah. And I think that that's an important thing to not lay it all out. You know, I think he even says that in an interview, not, not give every morsel away. Let, you know, let the interpretations begin once you start listening. Yeah. And let it, let it become personal. Mm Mm-hmm. But before that, Connelly's, what have you been listening to? Well, after doing our episode on Red Two Eyes, we fell firmly into a Merzbau zone. How was that, Tara? It was a great zone. It was, it was a, a great, very loud zone. It, I mean, it was very chaotic. Especially zone. when you're putting on Paul Steam. And I mean, that CD still is just, you got it. I mean, it's so loud. It's mastered so loud. I mean, that guy yes. who mastered all those relapse CDs, it's just nuts. <laughs> magic hands, and magic ears. It's nuts. But mm-hmm. also Space Metalizer. I know it's a one of my favorites for, yeah, so, so long. Yeah. Also Orst, Orsted, or however you say that one. 
But a real huge standout is, in fact, the newest. Well, as far as I know, the newest thing that Masami is a part of. And that would be Murzbao Purient Black Crows Cyborg. My God, I cannot say enough nice things about this. It is so satisfying to listen to. It just, it sets this like broody, moody zone, but then this just undercurrent of absolute raw chaos. Yeah. It is awesome. And I I would say that is cathartic. Yeah. And the, both sides are very different. Mm -hmm. The, the, the chaos noise really comes in on the second side, but the first side's very controlled and you get a, you get sort of the, like a nice prurient, keyboard undertone and we listened to it on one of the days here where it was it was you know kind of in the upper 50s gray windy maybe a little some sprinkles of rain so it was just this perfect somber day to listen to this somber record and uh really fantastic can't recommend it enough uh the i know there's multiple versions of the lp uh we we picked up the Bandcamp version hence we have the digital to listen Mm -hmm. to uh, so we we hadn't listened to it yet. We were in the zone, and there you go. And so uh, really it, satisfying. It's crazy how unmistakable it is. Like, yeah. it definitely, you can hear both artists simultaneously, like a true, true collaboration. And it is absolutely, it's fascinating. Like, it's exactly what you would want. If you were like, I want to hear Puria and Merzbau together, at, this is what you want when you say that. Yeah, that's kind of been the the zone recently aside from you know a lot of the a lot of other stuff that you know we're generally uh cranking around here but that's 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 i think the highlight of of our of our week so this week mers stack mers stack what Thick. about you well i threw on the uh i haven't listened to that Black Crow's Cyborg yet, but it's on the it's on the list to do. Heck yeah, on the chopping block. I listen to a. I know Connolly loves it when I do this, so here it comes. Attendant. Oh, there you go. It's so beautiful. Oh. It's just, it's just like, it's just, do it again. Oh, it's just so sensual. My, I hear you do fake French. French accent. Yeah. Oh, it's and beautiful. I also the uh, title of this one. It's is oh, in French, go. right? And it's here we uh, go. Please. The uh, death of cows. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the series <laughs> that's what it translates to right the more des vaches. There, that's see there. That's uh, that is it. Thank you, Tara. And no it has problem. its own uh, subtitle, but it's of that series. Yeah, live on the VPRO radio session from the Netherlands from 1997, I believe. Uh, some cyclic metallic clanging and the classic ED vocals, and then like rhythmic outbursts and real, especially the second piece, real heavy uh, rhythmic stuff and synth. It's awesome. It's so good oh, and yeah. it gets you so hyped. It it's a uh, pretty stark contrast to Aurora and Realm, which are the last couple that I had listened to. And uh, man, just in the zone with this project lately. And it also felt like sort of a nice, I, I can only think of a Tantan in the same way as RM of very performance and stage and theater based because of that, that uh, vinyl on demand box that came out however long right. ago has a DVD of live performances and they're costumed and painted and they're performing pieces set to the music. It's very much not right. a live, you know, a band playing sort of thing. They're, they're performing a piece of abstract dance sort of thing. And 
that with like the spoken vocals really reminds me of this project, even though they're, they're very different. I think it's uh, an interesting parallel and, you know, inspired by our uh, Zev episode a while back, I pulled out elemental music on subterranean. So live in San Francisco in 81 metallic percussion and droning uh, sounds great. Sounds like Zev and totally rules and, and just a nice, nice record to throw on great cover. And yeah, I think I might be digging into some more Zev soon because there's I've got a few things and I, I just want to hear more and more. Now, that that Un's Memento was so strange. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was just yep. a fun episode and so great. Yeah, to know, like- uh, it's off putting in like the right way. You know, like it's it's so it's a very alienating sort of record. And, and actually, Elemental Music is a little more comfortable to listen to, but uh, they both have a great impact. And uh, I think actually you might have heard this one too, Connolly. Tongue Nax Venus cassette. Yeah, it's great. I may <laughs> may have heard it the other day when I stopped by. Yeah. Grab some stuff. <laughs> drop some stuff off. And you had this I'm cranking. I'm so jealous. You guys got to hang out. Hey, boys. It was a, it was a boys afternoon. It was a boys day. It's it was, okay. It was pretty nice. Uh, but it, this was great. I, I, I really loved it. It, it was a, one of the Lust Vessel things I was unfamiliar with. And it sounded, sounded great. Yeah, there's. I, I talked about Polar Mold Mentis, you know, months ago as being one of my favorite. And I think Tungnax is, is really up there as well. Just texturally rich and diverse, harsh noise. But with that Lust Vessel sort of post-mortem nasty morbid bend to its end i'm here for it (laughs) that's a thing that i very much like and uh last night got real Uh weird in the studio i was working on a project and would you believe that i put on due process combine one through 18 or i through xvii and uh yeah this is Due process is such a strange project that we probably need to dig into. <laughs> it's so cool. At some point. It is so cool. And this is a very diverse CD of weird electronic sound. I feel like it's closer to like a 60s electronic record than it is, right uh, you know, 80s, 90s noise piece. And that's cool. <laughs> that's that's a really cool thing. So, yeah, Triple R CD. Thomas DiMuzio, Ron Lassar, John Wiggins, uh, just just a cool, weird thing. And it very much looks of its time as well, which I always like. Such a such a great, unique project. Love due process. And actually, I was going to not listening, but reading in, in getting gearing up for this episode. The new issue of Noise Receptor has an interview with Martin Blod, but I wanted to specifically point out the Linecraft interview, and I want to encourage everyone who, if they haven't gotten a copy of this issue, grab it anyway. But specifically, I think the Linecraft interview is really great. I think he's just one of those guys. Every you hear, you hear a release, you hear the next release, you love him that much more. You hear the next release, you love him that much more. Yes. You see him live, you love him that much more. It's like, then, how does he keep getting better and better and, and then better? You read this interview, and he's just so intelligent. And the thing is, he's such a personality and I this is something that uh, a friend of the podcast of ours and a friend of the podcast friend of real life etc uh we were having a discussion about personalities and the importance of personalities and especially you know that was something that was so highlighted in the 90s and I do think it's lost a little bit right now in the modern era but I think someone like Linecraft is 
fully representative of that. I mean, in the interview, he he references Crazy Thunder Road and the Unabomber in the same sentence. To me, <laughs> that's that's true. That's that's genius, and mm-hmm. that's combining these things, and then creating and then finding something new, and then it just being Linecraft. The things he has to say, the way he described the symbol, I won't give everything away, but the way he described the, I'm sorry, the logo, the Minecraft logo. The, it's the, fascinating. It's so cool. And I'd just, never heard that before. You just like before. the way his mind it, if, works. If, I, if someone had told me that, I, it was out of, it was, in my mind, I had just learned that from this interview. So just want to give a shout out to the Minecraft interview. Shout out to Minecraft. <laughs> hey, great. And, you want to give him a uh, great yeah, job, huh? Great job. Awesome. And not That's only great. do you get that, you get the Martin Blood interview. Awesome. You get uh, Nail by Mouth, multiple other interviews. Vision. Reviews. Yes. You get an interview Murder's with uh, yes. Stephen Petrus, yeah. I, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Murders. The Murder's Vision interview is great. We just got it, so we haven't read we, the whole uh, thing This yet. was something maybe that I may have picked up on my stop by. So this is a. <laughs> I, yeah. I, we haven't had time to really digest it, but and it's hard for both of us to read it because we keep having to steal it from each other. So yeah. you know, between the two of us, we'll get the whole thing. Yeah. Done. But glad we got it because we could gear up for this album. Yeah, thanks to Richard Stevenson for you know talking to Martin Blood now and. Uh, some what 18 19 years ago we talked to him again uh about this project and including this record in uh, the spectrum compendium uh, right. in the head press so uh noise receptor spectrum essential invaluable noise resources for those who want to do more than just listen and i think that uh you know i love zines i do and i love that some of these things are getting collected into books and they're more accessible now you know we talked about the vital weekly book a bit we always i, I look to reference this stuff whenever we're going to talk about an episode and uh yeah yeah it helps us out a lot we love it yeah really invaluable resource and also yeah and and get it down like now we have this and we can reference it whenever we want it's not going to disappear we have good internet now but if we had terrible internet it wouldn't matter cuz we could just you know, but that's it. going that goes away. We've been conditioned to all be on the internet, but now they're whittling it away. They're whittling people away and they're whittling things away <laughs> from it. So having the physical thing, books, and they're burning books. So having books and having the physical magazines is incredibly important to do right now. So it is it should be everyone's duty in the next year to be buying and, and collecting books because they're invaluable. They're absolutely invaluable. But before we really dig into this album, a word from our sponsors. Out now on Foul Prey, Vice wears black hose. How to shave your legs with a straight razor for women. Straddling an obsession with shallow cinema and fetishistic allure of leg shaving, Richard Ramirez and Sam McKinley return with a new 40-minute dispatch as Vice wears black hose. From behind a thick, heavy curtain of sputtering, asphyxiated harsh noise, passages of murder and orchestral soundtrack emerge and recede. Deprived of narrative context, coveted source material is drained to its ecstatic tenets of death, sexuality, and wilted celluloid, rendered as shocks of vibrant color upon a canvas smothered in black. Vice wears black hose. How to shave your legs with a straight razor for women. Out now on Foul Prey, F-O-U-L-P-R-E-Y dot com. 
Whether you get off on sonic extremes, skilled think pieces, or psychologically damaging soundtracks for personal ritual, Misanthropic Agenda has got you covered. Misanthropic Agenda is a noise, sound art, and electronic music label founded by Garrett Whitmer in 1998, releasing CDs and vinyl by the likes of Merzbau, John Weiss, Joe Colley, Dave Phillips, Francisco Marino, Death Throws, Lasse Marhog, Jason Krumer, LHD, and many more. Use code NOISEXTRA at misanthropicagenda.com to receive free shipping on any size order in the United States. Oh, and they've also got a band camp. Oedipus dethroned. This thing is massive. So this is a record that's been with you for a really long time, correct? Yeah, tw- twenty years. I mean, I, I got it probably when it came out. I think Malignant Records was distributing Cold Meat stuff heavily back mm-hmm. then. I pro- there's a like ninety nine percent chance I ordered it from there. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's just sort of been with me. You know, I, I had the previous. Uh, it's just called the Red Album which is different than this. This is, I think the beginning, this is rounding the corner to what IRM is, had become and has progressed to. This is sort of the turning point for me because there's a, there's a a cassette and an LP and this, yes, this is a concept album and it is full of allegory and imagery and reference. And we don't, we don't keep the lyric book handy when we're doing a lot of noise records, because, well, A, there's not often a lyric book. Uh, this one has a, an extensive 12-page booklet with all kinds of lyrics in it where you can follow along with the pieces. And they're very important to the the entire context and concept of the record. And that's a cool thing. That's a nice thing to get to enjoy. When also the noise is so damn good. Well, certainly with, with power electronics, the lyrics can be some of the most important thing, if not the most important thing, you know. So certainly with something like the eighth pillar, the lyrics are mandatory. Yes, it's vital. And I think with something like this, I like vital. I like that you said vital. That's good. But that's been like the fourth time it's been said in this that's a good word, though, right? I like that word. <laughs> We've said that several times already. Well, Grace said vital weekly. Oh, no, I man. like it. But okay, I'm saying I like it. One. No, I'm saying I like it. It's integral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's vital. It's integral. Uh, but it is, it is, you know, certainly important for for this. And especially when the vocals, I mean, obviously, once you're reading along with the lyrics, they feel more clear in there. And, but they are relatively understandable, even though they're drenched in the Euro PE effects. Mm-hmm. And I definitely associate these effects with Euro PE, meaning... You know, the P that's not from the States or the UK, basically, you you know, that that absolutely sort of. Yeah. 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 And so and and so that I while you sort of could understand them, I think a little bit, obviously having the lyrics, they become much more clear. It only heightens it. And clearly the the way that the lyric sheets are written is also very intentional. So, you know, much like you would display poetry using you know, the syntax that you have chosen, these are lined out in a a very particular way by the artist. It's poetry. I mean, there's no, there's just no two ways about it. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, this is a concept album. Oedipus dethroned. Are you familiar? We've been talking about books. What about plays? Are you familiar with the story of Oedipus? Well, Tara. You like Sophocles. Here's the thing. I don't think it matters if we're familiar with the story of Oedipus because we just want you to lay it out for us and for the listeners. Oedipus is a classic tale from ancient Greece. Sophocles wrote the play in around 430 BC, but the the basic principle of this absolutely tragic play is that the king of Thebes 
had a son. And on the day of his son's birth, a soothsayer came along and said, this boy is going to kill you and take your throne one day. So that king of Thebes had his son sent away. And that son was Oedipus. The man who was supposed to kill Oedipus, you know, classic tale, supposed to kill him. He's a shepherd. Can't, can't bear to do it. So he gives the baby away to a neighboring kingdom and Oedipus is raised there. So Oedipus is learning to be, he's a, he's a young adventurer and he's out on his travels trying to make his way in the world. And he meets an old man on the road. They get into a fight and he stabs him and kills him. Oedipus stabs the old man and kills the old man. Oedipus stabs an old man and kills him. So then he continues his journey and goes to Thebes. Thebes is being absolutely terrorized by the Sphinx. Again, another just classic archetype, a classic tale. The Sphinx poses a riddle for Oedipus. Oedipus correctly answers it. He rids Thebes of this terrorizing Sphinx, and he also wins the throne. So then he marries King Jaco- Queen Jocasta uh, and has some daughters and then starts asking Jocasta what happened to her old husband. And she says he was killed by a stranger on a road. Dun, dun, dun. So they find out that he was the son that was sent away and that he had killed his father on the road. So indeed, he fulfilled that prophecy um, by killing his own father, taking his father's throne. Jocasta was so consumed with grief that she had married her son and consummated that marriage that she hanged herself. And when Oedipus walked upon her dangling lifeless body, he grabbed two pins from her dress and stabbed his own eyes out. Which is depicted on the cover in a woodcut of this album as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole play is just like riddled with tragedy. And in some ways it's a tale of how, Despite your biggest efforts, suffering is eminent for you if the stars deem it to be so. Uh, So you can say that hubris would be the main flaw of Oedipus by being so full of pride that he would quarrel with a stranger on a road and kill them. Uh, So maybe that was his, you know, most fatal flaw. But otherwise, all of these motions were set up uh, prior to his birth. They were set in motion. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and once it was set in motion, the suffering was eminent. And and truly, it if you've never read Oedipus Rex, um, it's it's awesome. Like, you know, I mean, I've read it out loud to Mike many times, but the passages are so unbelievably just full of suffering. Like people that are suffering so much, it's a physical burden and they're going to die under the crushing weight of their own life tragedy. It is, um, really, really potent stuff. And I recommend it. It's incredible. And I love that. That's such a big part of this album, but there's so many other things, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of the, there's a a weird thing and you talked about it in, I can't remember what episode, but the, uh, the operating theater, you know, uh, as as a medical thing, because there's a, there is a sort of weird, uh, Christ, the surgeon sort of allegory here. And, uh, but, and also discussing the stage a lot, but it feels like, you know, a, a stage where you might see a play, but also possibly referring to something like the operating theater, because it's combined with this sort of medical uh, surgical aspect and also the uh, spectacle of crucifixion and, right. and body modification. And uh, 
self-mutilation. Self-mutilation uh, and, and, and tra- as transformation. Christ as martyr. Yeah. So like there's Christ as martyr. There's Oedipus as martyr. There's elements of self-mutilation and, and what role the will has in all of these things. Um, self-loathing. Um, I think that Martin Blad described it also as an attempt at a postmodern tragedy. And definitely all of these elements are at play. Well, it's it's set up from the beginning. I mean, we're to me, I, we were in the Catholic womb. Right. So it's these it starts with these choral choir vocals, feels like a church, a Roman Catholic church mm-hmm. service. And that's sort of the first half of the first track. Right. And it just sort of opens up the stage right and then the celebration of untouched skin yeah and then and then lyrically in this one it really sets up a lot of the themes and phrases and words that are going to be used throughout the rest of the album uh, direct phrase some direct phrases some just um you know hinting at where we're going to go with the album and I, I really think it's a cool really cool way to start the proceedings and going both with uh, religious and medical themes, we have what sounds sort of like buzz saws, bone saws in the background of this track, uh, you know, synthesizers as that and sort of a weird white noise rhythm as a heartbeat sort of rhythm to it. Uh, but really all of that gets knocked out of the way by this pummeling noise when the vocals come in and the vocals, they have that European, dare I even say Scandinavian flavor to them, which Iron being from Sweden, mm-hmm. of course, makes sense. And they are uh, powerful and commanding and up front and on top of the noise. And I think it's really good. There's a lot of like poetry. There's a, you know, repeating themes and repeating lines. Like as you read the first page of this, the, the last line is actually repeated between each line of right the lyrics here. And, you know, one of the things that's that struck me very strange about this too, using the use of synthesizers and uh, in, the interview in Spectrum, Martin Blood says that uh, early on they only had a cheap uh, Yamaha digital synth or something. But for this album, they used a Korg MS-20 and an SQ-10 for sequencing. And, you know, my MS-20 being one of my favorite pieces of gear that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of that on here, a lot of great sounds. And also using it in a different way, like Jarl's sound an approach is is very dense and very heavily layered and also very direct at times. And I, I love that use of the synthesizer paired with these powerful vocals and these themes. But the red and black also takes me to another strange place. And that's why I mentioned technology is because uh, the man machine, you know, there's a weird duality there. And it, it also ties to some sort of like mutation of craft work and almost cyberpunk thing where that stuff is not focused on in here, but I have a hard time The the mannequin is, you know, the model, the mannequin mm-hmm. is referenced numerous mm-hmm. times in here. And it, it also just, just brought me to, you know, a craft work reference within it and the way it's presented. And I, th- I found that kind of a, an interesting thing here. Um, but of course we're talking about surgery, abortion, birth, uh, scarification, uh, outstretched on the blank table, you know, possibly, uh, um, for some sort of sacrament or, uh, or embalming or surgical procedure, right? Or or like a rebirth, right? Or a resurrection, yep. you know? Or or just birth, right? So I really like the 
in the title track, the second track, I like the competing vocals. Yeah, and that's something we see on mm-hmm. this a couple times. And I believe those are both Blood. Uh, I'm not sure if, if right. you're all those vocals act- in it. My right. assumption is it's all he, him. Does Jarl do vocals in his solo project? No, or? it's it's primarily right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, just synth, right. synth soundscapes. And the yeah, the sort of call and response. Sometimes, sometimes it is an answer back on this album, and sometimes it is uh, a repeated or even both voices saying lines at the same time. And it's right. It's something you don't hear on a lot of albums, especially in this in this sort of genre. And it's it is utilized so well and ties the the pieces and some of the themes together where like there are things that are there are layers even to the lyrics and the use of two different vocal tones and and deliveries helps you peel those layers back it's not all the same voice it's not all the same presentation some stuff sits in a different place and and it's it pulls you in i mean this record just to me it just sucks me in when i play it it gives me chills when i'm listening to it and again this is something i've listened to many a time, but especially, yeah, when we get to the second track, the title track, Oedipus to throne with this pulse and shuddering synth. And there's some sort of weird, noisy drag going on this, you know, this just heavy undercurrent of noise. These songs are long. The first piece celebration of untouched skin is nine and a half minutes. Uh, Oedipus to throne is six minutes. Like we're starting the album off and it starts off, uh, you know, almost front loaded with a couple heavy pieces. You're 15 minutes in, you're barely two tracks in of a eight song album. And I like in this one, the, the lyrics are uh, run together. There's no spaces between any of the words. So while reading along, you're trying to figure it out while listening to it, but you also have to sort of try and figure it out and separate it while reading it. Right. That seems to be another deliberate choice of the melding of these ideas. Something's taking the forefront, something's taking the back. Flesh and blood phenomenon. I am his receiver, the meat, the animal. Right, right. I mean, meat obviously is a big part of this album and, you know, the, the meat, the meat animal, right? The meat body. Yeah, the, <laughs> yes. the, the corporal nature of man, the vulnerability of our flesh. There, the lack of guarantee that anybody has about their body remaining integral it's just i mean it's all of the explorations in here really just remind me of those times that you have in your life when you realize that you can be injured like you know even when you're younger like i remember the first time like i I dropped a glass on my hands and I, i like nearly cut my thumb off and I was like, oh, that was so quick. Like it happened faster than I thought it would. Like, you know, when you get seriously oh, injured yeah. and you realize that your body can be destroyed and you just have that crazy realization where time is running really fast and time is running really slow. And this entire album makes me think of all of those moments when you witness not only the weakness of flesh, but the strength of flesh to heal itself. I'm getting older and I feel like that is a daily thing now, the being aware of how fast and how slow time moves. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Uh, And, you know, this is uh, this sort of body modification and meat obsession uh, is something that did not stop with any any crucifixion. You know, there's uh, one of the things we had talked about discussing was the uh, four studies for crucifixion uh, out 
EP by IRM, which is also really fantastic. And if what we're talking about sounds good, listen to this album, listen to that one, listen to the cult of young men, listen to closure, listen to any IRM record. You're not going to be disappointed, but uh, also Blod's solo work. You know, he, he just, uh, he recently released a book called the torture of the 100 pieces. And that's uh, in conjunction with his partner, Carolina Urbaniak, Hope I pronounced that right. Apologies if not. And that's uh, photo documentation and text to accompany it of a hundred different pieces of sort of scarification, uh, body modification, uh, mutilation that he had performed on himself. Uh, Self-harm. Yeah. Injury yes. to himself. Yeah. And so, you know, these themes carry through a body of work that has lasted over 20 years. And so here, here we're seeing some of the seeds of all that stuff, you know, uh, in this piece and sort of a very early repetition of these ideas. Yeah. Looking at injury is curiosity. Like I thought it was interesting when he was discussing pouring boiling water onto his thighs and it didn't blister in the way he had hoped. Um, and, and, you know, kind of trying to disconnect yourself from the, the pain and suffering of it and, and looking at your own personal wounds with an emotional disconnect yeah, the physicality from, like, of it strictly clinically yes yes exactly just looking just looking at it devoid of emotion and um it, it is it is really interesting it i especially was thinking about that on the third track the disease yes like the, having a having a destruction fantasy you know it, just imagining um imagining the end self-mutilation but also transformation from that right and you know sort of the my utopia the plague theme that goes throughout this track and and then the relationship between disease and cure i really love sonically on this one the air raid tone that sort of starts and then turns into this <laughs> tension-filled loop. Yeah, I, then, I wrote warning a, siren uh, yeah. blurs into wind, and yeah, it, it does. It's that's that air raid starting of this sent gives you the sense of impending doom from the second you hit play, and the lyrics tie directly into that with yeah. the "I am the atrocity, I am a beauty, I am the innocence, I want the experience, a leprous present, a rapturous king," right? Like that's. Uh, this this song is sort of, while not the hit, which we'll get to on the album, this is one of the kind of big standout pieces that really sets it sets up the rest of the album. Also, the play on the the relationship between masochist and sadist, that concept of somebody's utopia being the plague, just like the concept of. You know, you show me one person's utopia, I'll show you another person's hell. But really getting abysmal with this, like staring into the black void and confronting it. But I think confronting it in a way that you're trying to gain power. Yes. Yeah, I would I would say for sure of gaining personal power through this. And through the sort of willingness of the again self-mutilation giving yourself up to the scalpel willingly you know and that's directly in line with our next piece the stage surgeon and this one uh 
I think crucifixion has been mentioned on the album, but here we have a direct Christ reference. Christ is the stage surgeon. He shaped me in clay, the stage mannequin, feel the world through his rubber gloves. This has, this actually has a sort of traditional song structure where there's a chorus and the, there's dual vocals for the chorus that, you know, those, those different style of vocals return for it and repeat the same thing in different tone. And I, I found that really an interesting structural choice. But there's also just the synth on this is so dense and these heavy, heavy modulations. Uh, it's this one pulls you in and, and it's. I can't not like read the lyrics and, and focus on this when I'm listening to it. <laughs> I so I started trying to think about what this idea of the red world or red and black. So he talks not, we start to see the motif of red and black throughout multiple tracks here, sort of on the second half. And so in this track, I was wondering if the red world, well, I I initially said is the red world death or one area of death, but I don't know. I don't know if I think that, going on with the record because so in my in my reading of some of this I was wondering if red represents sort of like if red represents a new reality or a clearer reality or seeing things unblind whereas black the black bag and the black screen and the black cabin is that the world when you're blind or when you're not really seeing things as they are and is red your eyes are open oh that's so i was see i was going literal and just thinking um the red world like red is an active alive color it's the color of blood so i was thinking of a blood covered face um and then the seeking cover in a black bag is death and all the black is an active death and trying to seek solace in death, but really fetishizing it in a way as the end of your relationship with that physical body. Well, but, but in a way, in a way you're kind of, we, you're kind of Same. S- looking at, looking at it in a similar way mm-hmm. that I am because the idea that you're the red world is the the bright the the world you're seeing in the black world is is your your eyes are covered yeah. so that's alive, death right yeah. and red you're alive yeah and so I was going with that starting on the wound track and then moving forward into some of the later tracks the idea of red being the you're alive and you're seeing things in a new and possibly clearer way for better or for worse right well i saw this i guess in sort of the same way as both of you with black meaning uh death or nothingness and red tying especially to blood and pain and feeling alive and especially with themes of self-harm and and crucifixion uh a lot of people who self-harm do so because it makes them feel alive. The pain makes snaps them out of it and gives them a kind of clarity you're talking about. Right. That's, that's one of those things that uh, at least in people I've talked to that, that is sort of a common theme with people who do that uh, is to feel. And so the red world is tying that fetishism and 
uh, uniqueness, the unique sensation of pain to feeling alive and maybe, yes, seeing things clearly, maybe uh, having attaining something that they can't otherwise. And when they don't have that, they're seeking black and death. Right, right. And I think, yeah. In the new noise receptor, Martin Blad said, it's my opinion that the aestheticized dead or mutilated body of a young man is somewhat sublime. And so I enjoy the fetishizing the body and fetishizing the flesh and truly, you know, I'm, I'm, Seeking a proper way to say it, but but drinking in our corpse, our meat body as nectar and and trying to turn these things into something that is sensual, but also at the same time, life affirming. And sure, maybe maybe self-harm can be that way. Um, And between the wound, which Connolly referenced and the stage surgeon, there's a track, which we don't have lyrics for, and they're quite hard to make out inside the skull of a mannequin. And there's, there's definitely vocals. There are vocals and they're, they sound great. It's actually reminded me a little bit of throbbing gristle. There's that hollow drone and there's those closer to like TG vocals than the aggressive and powerful vocals that we hear here. It's much more a synth piece with weird grinding synths and and just pulsing slow that just pulls you in. But the wound starts. Wait, 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 Gray, wait. Wait. I got to say it. Inside the Skull of a Mannequin, favorite track on the album. I love this track, too. Absolutely. The, I love absolutely the distant, my favorite track the on the album. distant vocals make it pretty provocative. Yes, um, and, the, and evocative. This, is, this has such this track is shrouded in mystery, partly because we don't understand if he even had it. Maybe he is doing lyrics, but he didn't print them. And I like the obscurity of this one. I like the structure of this one, and I really like the the that muted throb and then the sparse electronics. And I just really, really, it's pretty tortured. Loved this track yeah i think this track is great but my the next two are the hits for me when i would have guessed you like the wound the best the wound is is the hit and the stage is a very close (laughs) second uh because the the wound is a is a pop song (laughs) disguised in the trappings of pe it is it has movement it has uh really powerful upfront lyrics uh, that, that tell a story you're getting something here. There's, there's the way that the vocals and the lyrics are placed with the music. And it's, it's got this sort of two note oscillation, but it's not just an oscillation. It's being played because they're on cue with the changes in the vocal meter. And uh, the, I just love the structure of this one, the synth kind of rhythm, white noise stuff that's going on. Uh, and we see that on the stage too. There's just a great like collapsing rhythms of sheet metal and hissing. And these two tracks paired together, plus just reading, reading this stuff in the book. <laughs> it's uh, 
I don't know. The wound is the wound is my favorite, and it's it's because I can pump my fist and nod my head to it, but it's still one thousand percent a power electronics piece. It's still v- full of noise and full of venom and full of power. Well, it's the it's immediate, right? So there's no buildup. It, it is immediate. The buildup is called inside the skull of a mannequin. <laughs> hey, I loved that buildup, but yeah. I mean, no, I, I this track's great, right? And it's it just immediately goes in and the this is really where I was getting with the idea that is red the actual view of reality for better or for worse and is black the world that most people live in mm. uh, and I you know I, I certainly think there's that can be true and the you know here we have yeah, the the red screen the black screen right the pair of scissors in your hand the pair of scissors in my hand you know a back and forth maybe between himself maybe a sort of a schizophrenic look at things or, you know, or there's someone else he's talking to or projecting at, you know? And yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this is definitely, this, this would be, you know, seeing something like this live. I mean, I could imagine the power of seeing something like this live. Yeah. I, I'll, I I listen to this one repeatedly. Like today, even before this, I I rewound to listen to this one again when the album was done because I I really love this song so much, and I love the lyrics. Every every word in here is is wonderfully placed uh, conceptually. It works really well. I think it pulls nicely to the next track, the stage. Yeah this this track, the wound, just made me think of maybe I'm being literal of someone uh, smashing their head into a mirror. It has that feel, right? And um, even the way the lyrics are laid out, it, like I said, that schizophrenic. Yeah, the self versus the other, the world inside, the white square, my inner domain, my head cracks, your forehead is open, reality turns red, my head cracks. Well, so that's why when exactly, I said reality yeah. turns mm-hmm. red, that's where I was like, oh, this is the actual reality for better or for worse, right? Yeah, your so, mind inside my empty skull. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 great, and- you know, I think something he says in the noise receptor interview that I think is important is something to the effect of the idea that mixing personal obsessions with sort of archety- archetypes, right? And mm-hmm. so I think make that them more accessible to everybody. When you mix the personal obsession with archetypes like Oedipus and Christ, and now there's a twist to a martyr, right? to suffering. So, to, not, so, yeah. so he's twisting all of this. And then, so then there's no direct answers. He's giving us all these different things to think about. Some things we understand the image of Christ, the general idea of Oedipus. Obviously, Tara gives us a little more deeper understanding. And then go with the personal obsession, right? And then mix it all together. And now you have something infinitely more powerful in my estimation. That's great. And I fully agree. And I think it works really well here. I mean, that's, it's one of the things that makes this album so great is concepts that we can identify and relate to, or that we've internalized because we're familiar with them and this personal band and this personal message that is wrapped They're They're just woven so tightly together. And again, like this is just our unpacking of this stuff too. listen to it, figure out what it means to you, because there's, oh, yeah, there's exactly. so much on this album, both in excellent, excellent sound design, like really a great sounding record when it's minimal, a great sounding record when it's full, when it's rhythmic, when it's droning. It has so many sides of stuff to it but with these great vocals and lyrics over it. I love 
the trash can rhythm of the stage. It's yes, so it, industrial. It is great, and there's the these like slithering white noise stuff in it too, and yeah, st- structurally, especially on these last couple of pieces, they they just are put together so well, and of course, then the lyrics to the stage, and that's you know we're talking he's talking about smash the screen, what's behind the screen. Uh, could we could be talking of a television screen? We could also be talking of uh, a screen in an operating theater. You know, like uh, you have the. Uh, well, I'm reminded of Dead Ringers, where there's like the, he's wearing the red right. surgical outfit in uh, mm. those visions, uh, but also like the the curtain around a hospital bed as the screen. You know, to tie it into medical fetishism, where like a screen would be set up on stage to obscure an actor before they enter the stage. Things like all of these things come flooding into me with a simple, you know, the first sentence of lyrics in this song, the first line of lyrics in this song. And that's because this album's loaded with so much imagery. Yeah. And yeah, the martyr reveals his central being. Take a look inside the new discovered organ, animal flesh, a human organ, right? Two different colored lungs inhaling my dogma, black and red, perhaps. There you go, right? It's always talks about the two different color, two different colors, right? This well, was the romantic track. <laughs> you thought you what 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 sort of romance did you find in this track, Tara? This love is pure, this love is clean, this love is a dagger, this love is stabbing, a pair of scissors, it's blinding. Touch the stage, touch the wound. I am pure, like purification through pain, purification through torture. Again, it's that suffering that a martyr goes through it's it's that tale that crosses so many cultures of the realization that only occurs after one has deeply deeply suffered the love the understanding that can be attained after that i would maybe say this would have been my second contender for favorite track. I mean, I mean, but again, it is definitely this whole album needs to sort of be taken in as one. Right. I mean, I do think something like the wound would be, you know, if Gray's DJ in a, an industrial night, he's playing the wound yep. or I'll be angry. Yeah. Or I'll be yeah. angry if you don't, you know, but you, you, you should. Right. Mm. Uh, but I think that one certainly stands out in a different way, but, also, of course, like you said, inside the skull of a mannequin sort of is the intro to that, right? Yeah. And and then, but the stage had that trash can rhythm, that yeah, that classic industrial feel to this track. I just really, really stuck with me. The last track probably has my favorite electronics of the whole album. Those that intro yeah. and the outro. I like the outro. <laughs> I love oh, yeah. those electronics. Yeah, that that right classic so sound. It's a it's now what, it's classic is written on my notes. For this what, song. what is yeah. so wait? What you said the MS twenty, but what was the other synth you mentioned? The SQ ten. It's a sequencer that Korg made that stylistically matches the MS twenty and is used for sequencing the MS twenty. Hasn't been properly reissued, but it's been Korg has made a smaller version of it called the SQ one, which is sort of supposed to do what the SQ ten did, and they were uh, marketing that when they made the new MS twenty minis. So it is something you can you know you can have access to something that would do something very similar to what the SQ ten would do. For sequencing now, 
So that's what sort of sequencing the synth. Yes, that that is where why you're getting a lot of those great modulations. Uh, mm-hmm. If they're not directly, if it's not a direct modulation from uh, what Core calls the modulation generator on the MS20, you could also deal with modulations from the SQ10, I believe, in sequence. So yeah, and of course, who knows how many tracks they recorded of this and how all this was put together. But primarily using that synthesizer, and I mean, it is the Korg MS-20 is the synthesizer I think of when I think of power electronics. Right on. And the, so this one, we have the imagery of the red cabin and the black cabin, right? So again, I was going with the red cabin is the forced reality for better or for worse. And the black cabin is the blinded world that most people live in. And, but again, you know, that's just my own interpretation of of this it but yeah i really really loved the just the smashing the screen right and realizing that there's a new way to live or stabbing the eyes out or stabbing the eyes out right unlocking extremes we can just say that like definitely this is exploration of extremes oh extreme behavior extreme Sounds absolutely mm-hmm. such sensitivity towards the object, such sensitivity towards the body, such beauty to discover. Right, exactly. So that's what this it sums up, right? What we've been talking about, what the album's been talking about, right? And then finally the savior appears and here he comes. You know, that's how it ends, right? Also and- reminds of the uh the you know um transformation that uh spoken about in manhunter or red dragon right the that same sort of uh ascension through sure predatory ascension right (laughs) well and also i mean obviously a big inspiration for martin blad and he's talked about in interviews is you know herman niche and and the and the you know the the entire action yeah the entire actionist crew, and he's mm-hmm. even gone to some of the niche performances, and so, and obviously that has so much to do with these themes as well, right? And it's, it makes it makes perfect sense to me that that's a direct connection to him, to Martin, and his work. Excellent point. Well, speaking of summing it up. You guys want to hear the last lines of Oedipus, Rex? We sure do. Oh, citizens of Thebes, this is Oedipus, who solved the famous riddle, who held more power than any mortal. See what he is. All men gazed upon his fortunate life. All men envied him, but look at him. Look. All he had was all this man was, pulled down and swallowed by the storm of his own life and by the god. Keep your eyes on that last day, on your dying Happiness and peace, they were not yours, unless at death you can look back at your life and say, I lived, I did not suffer. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. And thank you to our new patrons, Kyle Wright, Michael Collins, Michael Farmer, Daniel Kent, Michael Falskog, Ballerina in Blood, Xenon Gredkowski, Chris Griffiths, Gabby Bray, Kyle Fisher, Harrison Phyllis, and Anders Kangamark. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. 
and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.